Turn in your Bibles to Acts 16. Acts 16, verse 16 is where we're going to start today. Had to be here today. Neutral. Not so happy. Well, you are here, and that's a good thing. Whether you recognize it or not, it is good. <clears throat> I've got an interesting scripture this t- tonight, just a couple verses, four verses, verses 16, 17, three verses, 16, 17, and 18. Last week, you know, we we're kind of just going through Acts, and we see God's work um, through his servant. This time it's through Paul. And they're taking the gospel out. They come into a new area. Um, so they come to, um, where are they? Turning through a couple different places. And they ended up in um, Thessalonica, isn't it? In verse 12, Philippi. From there, there to Philippi, which is the leading city in Macedonia, a Roman uh, colony. And there, that's where they started, in Philippi. I'm sorry, yeah. We're, we're approaching that, that time of the Philippian jailer, so it's in Philippi. And they begin to minister there. They find where people are meeting for prayer. So that's where we catch up with in verse 16. They, they come across one woman. Her name is Lyd- Lydia, and she is responsive to the gospel. I want you to notice how it tells us that she was responsive to the gospel. In verse 14, the end of verse 14, it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Um, the Bible states it that way, and that, that's, that helps us understand what happens when a person comes to trust in Christ. It's not that all of a sudden they decide to do something. It is the Lord opening up that pathway them to trust in him that's God's work it's a miracle every time it happens and and here it happens they give the word Paul gives the word and and she hears she listens she pays attention to what Paul says the Holy Spirit is working all right so we go on there verse 16 as we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. These few verses is what I want to to look at as we um, go into prayer tonight. A couple things that uh, bring to to our attention. One I've entitled is Two Real Powers. Two Real Powers. The first real power is the power that's working in and through this little slave girl. Um, This power is real. It says that a, a, a demon gave her, they call it the spirit of divination. What, what does that mean? She could tell the future. 
she could tell the future. And because she could tell the future, um, she was being exploited. And her, her masters um, took her and had her making money by telling people's fortunes. The first thing we note is that this is a genuine and a real power. I want to qualify those words, genuine and real, um, helping us understand. It is a real power. Uh, my question I ask is, well, how was she able to make money? She was able to make money because people were convinced of what she was doing. Now, sir, there's, there's tricksters going around who, who are phony and, and, and you know, they, We've seen the, the shows where, where they know people already or they have a secret microphone in their ear and, and they, they, they tell you something that they knew about you before. But so there, there are uh, people who, who fake this, but there's also a real power behind this. And it tells us here, what, what's the key is that it said the spirit of divination um, had possessed this, this girl, and she was doing this. So she was telling people secret information about their lives that no one else was privy to. And she was telling them things that, would, that had happened or perhaps were going to happen. And they were fascinated enough with this to pay her money to do this, or at least pay her owners money to do this. So her, her, her owners were making money from this. Now we see Paul's reaction, um, and, and he was, first of all, we see what she did. Verse 17 says, she followed Paul and us. And so Luke is the writer saying, she followed our, our ministry team around for several days. Notice what she said. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, you would immediately think, what's wrong with what she's saying? Why did that annoy Paul? <coughs> um, there's nothing wrong with what she's saying. It's true. These men were servants of the Most High God, and they were bringing to those who hear uh, uh, the way of salvation. They were doing exactly what she said. So what was wrong with what she says is that she was saying truth. And that's, that's the appeal and that's the tactic of Satan is to speak some truth. That's why he convinces people. He has some power. He speaks some truth. But the question we need to ask is, is some power all power and is some truth all truth? In other words, are we going to be convinced that the one who has some or displays some power, that they have enough power that we should bow down to them? Someone who speaks some truth, do they have all truth that we should, we should listen to them as if they were God? Satan is a liar, and he's a father of all lies. We've been studying in, in Colossians, and one of the things that uh, Paul speaks about in Colossians is plausible truths. He uses that term, plausible truths. What's a plausible, or actually it's plausible lies. What's a plausible lie? Is a lie that sounds good. It's possible. It sounds correct. It sounds good. But it's a lie. 
Those are the dangerous, that's the danger of a lie. Somebody who lies and tells you something obvious, you really don't have to fear. You just say, that's stupid. That doesn't even make any sense. I don't, I'm not listening to that. But someone who has a thread of truth to it, um, they can be convincing. And, and they are dangerous because of that truth. This girl, under the possession of these, these uh, demonic spirits, was trying to get validation. She was going around around Paul, and, and, and the thing, I asked myself, why was Paul annoyed with that? He did not want wicked, evil spirits with wicked, evil intent speaking some truth about him as if either they're on his side or they're being validated by his truth. He didn't want that. Uh, we, we learn in, in scripture what a false teacher often does. He speaks a little bit of truth and he leads people astray. And so he identifies with some truth and goes off and, and people aren't discerning to see where he goes off. Um, Jesus talks, the word of God talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. Why don't they just be wolves? Well, because if they're in sheep's clothing, they can, they can sound and look like sheep and fool real sheep or try to fool real sheep. And so um, this, this is a, a dangerous thing. We see Paul's strong reaction to it. He was annoyed, and it says, He turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. <clears throat> the assumption, the danger of what she was saying it carries this assumption. If her word is true, here's the assumption, and it must be from God. Okay, if she's saying what is true, then it must be from God. Other assumption is, if her power is real and genuine, then it must be from God. And we often see that, say, wow, um, we've often seen that when a person does a trick and, and we try to figure out how they did it. What was the trick to it? If we can't figure out the trick, we, we normally say, well, then that's genuine. It's real. Here's the problem. It can be real and not of God. Right? There can be some power behind it, but the power does not necessarily mean it's of God. And so this girl was doing some things that amazed people. And it wasn't of God. And Paul didn't want anything like that being associated with what he was doing. <clears throat> well, well, who was the source of this girl's power? That's an easy question. It, it was Satan. Why was this power being used? Or what was this power being used to do? It was being used to tell people's future. And I asked myself this question, why were people want their future told and why would it be wrong what could be wrong about telling somebody's future why would God object to that why shouldn't Christians seek through some means <coughs> to find out their future you can answer me now what's wrong with that what's the error what's the, what's the danger Well, somebody could. This, this evil spirit knew something. 
They knew something. You ever, you ever see these um, psychics who um, tell, they, they go through murder mysteries and, and they, they look at clues and, and they come up with stuff? I know you've got to be wondering like me, how, how do they come up with that? Either they're tricksters or they're real. Either way is not good. But the question I have is why, what's wrong with people seeking to know their future? Why shouldn't Christians do that? Go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay. Why would we what do we what are we trying to do when we're trying to get to the future? That's the bottom line right there, is we're seeking to depend and trust in something. You know, what's the stock market going to be tomorrow so I can invest in it and make money? Instead of trusting God, he does not tell us to trust the future or to look to the future so that we can be comfortable and we can have what we want. He tells us to trust in him, to walk with him. We walk by faith and not by sight. So any means that takes us away from the purpose of God is going in the wrong direction. That's why people, it's one reason why they want to know the future. They, they want to have confidence in something uh, besides what God is telling us. Why doesn't God tell us? I can ask that question. I don't know if there's an answer for that. Why doesn't God tell us the, the future? The, the main general answer, he wants us to trust in him day by day. It's a lot of things that why we pray today because we don't know the future. Brian? Let's distinguish between he's seeking God's purpose and God's will, not so much the future. And, and I guess I want to distinguish here is that it's not wrong to be curious about the future. It's not wrong. What's wrong is for us to depend outside of God on some information that God doesn't supply. He's not supplying. And he, he said, don't go through other means trying to get something so you won't have to trust in me. And so it does come back to what you said, to trust. What are we, are we looking for something to make us more comfortable so that we won't have to trust in God? One of the things about riches that we are warned against is we pursue, we can, we can be tempted to pursue riches to secure ourselves and secure a future for ourselves. Nothing wrong with being secure, but when that security is outside of God or something apart from God, separate from God, independent from God, that's wrong. And that's sin. Anything that I'm trusting in aside from God becomes another God to me and another idol. And so there's subtle ways that that happens, and we have to, we have to be very, very careful about that. Yes? Let me make, make it clear, if I gave the wrong impression, it's not all of the future that is evil for us to, to think about or imagine or even try and know 
the, the, the wrong in that is independent from God that we try and discover so that and we look at the motive of that so that we don't have to trust in God God is very selective in what he reveals to us about the future there's times when he tells certain things and there's times many many times when he says it's not for you to know yet in other words he's saying don't worry about that trust in me don't worry about that trust in me um, so we we are comforted sometimes in what we know and God is saying no be comforted in who you know and who you are be comforted in me and so we see that same thing today people are are looking through all kind of ways to try to discern their futures and for, for all kinds of reasons but the bottom line is they're not looking to God to trust in. Right, so um, we have a natural curiosity to, towards the future because we don't know it and we're trying to, we're trying to figure things out. I think in, a, in all of our, we plan for the future. It's not wrong to plan. It's a good thing to plan. Proverbs tells us, in fact, if we don't plan, we will be fools. Uh, to, to, to not plan and, and plan is to say what am I going to do if this happens and if this contingency so that, that's wise to do all of that though and, and you brought out a very good point in James all of that has to be on the presumption of God and I am in his hands so um, listeners to her were very fascinated by what she was saying. So to me, that suggests that there was enough truth in it to grab their, their, their curiosity and their fascination. We don't know how, uh, why that truth uh, may be available to, to, to Satan for certain things. We don't know that realm. But we do know very clearly that we are to, to trust. I see your hand. We know very clearly that we are to trust in God and not trust those kind of things. How many people, just as a, as a pattern of life, have looked into stars, horoscopes, palm reading, you name it. There's a method for, for doing that. Um, and, and God says, that's not a walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we walk by faith and not by sight, in other words, not by human reasoning, <coughs> understanding, or spiritual understanding apart from God. So wicked spiritual understanding is not the guidance that, that we're to walk by. Andy? Let me suggest a couple of things that we can, can pray for. As The title of, of this lesson is So We Pray. I guess I need to, to make a few points. One point I made, just because we perceive something to be given by, by God or an ability from God doesn't mean it's being used for God's purpose. Um, and so we can see somebody have certain gifts or certain environment and, and we can jump to the conclusion that, wow, that's only God can give that kind of gift. That, that could be a gift, a talent of singing, talent of music, um, athletic ability, um, art, uh, drawing, and so forth um, doesn't mean that they're using their gift um, for God. It could be intellect. I don't know, just from, from going to school, I've seen a number of individuals who 
who I could not imagine being as smart as they were, and yet they weren't saved. God gave them the ability to, to, to look at things and to study things and that, that just wowed me. Um, but they didn't use that or aren't using that for, for God's glory. Um, so here, here's what we can pray. Pray that we would use every ability for God's glory. Pray that we would not be impressed by great feats that are not used for God's glory. This girl was just uh, amazing people by something she did and we know the power the source behind it but as believers let's not be amazed by something that's not being used for God's glory and then the third thing we can pray that our hearts will be content in knowing God who knows the future our hearts will be content in knowing God who knows the future not in the pursuit of the future apart from God but content in, in walking with God as he leads us to the future. So I've taken up more time than usual. Let me close in that as we guide ourselves in prayer, praying and thinking today. Good evening. I'll suggest if you got questions, I know that kind of stirs up the thinking, put that in the question box. We're going to continue in our meditation through the book of Hebrews. It says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. As I read through this, in this time of meditation, I just keep on thinking about the catechism. I just keep on coming to me. Why did Jesus have to be man? Answered here. Why did he have to be God? Answered here. But there's also some interesting things about the doctrine of Christ that this passage talks about. 
I think some things people maybe can get a little distracted by. But the whole point of it is this, that God wanted Jesus to suffer for our behalf. And he suffered on our behalf for a few reasons. The first is so that he could identify with us. So that he could sympathize with us, him being us, being like us. But the other one is so that he could pay for all the vengeance and anger that God has towards sin. It talks about being made perfect. And it is almost like God had a meter that had to be filled. And it wasn't filled until the point that Jesus said, it is finished. And so God didn't want him to stand across one second longer than that and one second shorter. He paid for the sins of us. That's amazing in so many different ways. But he keeps up bringing up the order of Melchizedek, which he'll talk about further later on, so no need to go through that. But he talks about him being a kind priest. And the thought I get from that is a priest leading children or a shepherd leading sheep. People who don't know as much as the priest, the priest is patient with them. Yeah, the people can say things that can be straight up ignorant. I think about the disciples, how many things they said that we look, oh man, that was silly. But then think about how many things we say that are silly. Thank God it's not recorded in the gospel, all the things that said by me. You look at these guys, and I think we can get a little judgmental about them, particularly Peter. And so we turn around and we say these things. I hear people make these pronouncements. The whole thought of it is this. Jesus, even when he was <laughs> irritated by the comments of his own disciples, he was mentoring them. And how did he serve with them? He lived with them. He spent his day with them. And I think we as believers... We have to open our hearts up to the ministry of discipleship in this church. In this church, there's a need for discipleship. We have lots of available men. As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I'm going to be coming to you, some of you, especially you men. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to say, hey, I got a guy here. What times are you available? Don't tell me you're busy. You just tell me what times you are available. Makes time for his disciples. He made time for us. We had to make time for others. And that's how the ministry will grow. We had to be priests just like Jesus. Come aside somebody that doesn't know as much as us, might be silly to us. But instruct them in the ways of righteousness. Because it's not easy to walk this Christian walk, is it? So let's pray for those opportunities that they be taken. Amen. What are you doing, everybody? All right, today we'll just have um, two people pray. And then what I want to pray on is let's, as we approach Thanksgiving, let's focus on the things of this church that we are thankful for. Um, last, I, I think it's funny because last month we were praying about um, pastor appreciation and thankful for our pastor. Um, but I want to kind of focus on this time, like thankful for the ministries that we have here and for what God has done in this church 
and the amount of work he has done through this church that's not a big church um, and just the presence that he's got doing his work in our city through us so um, I don't need to see a hands we'll just have two people pray and after that uh, I will close us Lord, just continue in prayer. We just praise you and we thank you for this ministry, for creating this ministry, for growing this ministry, for sustaining this ministry, um, for all the work that you have done in this church, in your people, so that we can turn around and do your work in our community, in our city. Um, we thank you for the different ministries that we have, that we've been able to impact those outside this church. Um, we look at Praise in the Park, where we're able to... Um, use our music ministries um, to minister um, to the people. We have the rescue mission where we're able to uh, reach the men who um, are really struggling and have nowhere else to turn in um, our city. We think of truth seekers as we're reaching out to the children. Um, we think of the praise and poetry jam that has had performances outside. We think of um, Kenner and Kenner that um, has the plays that reach our community and now has the um, digital um, media that are just going out and um, being able to be a witness for you, Lord. And we just praise you that you use the few people in this church to do a lot of work and to do a lot of work um, ministering to our city and abroad. Um, some of these things are reaching outside of our even our city. And we just praise you for that. And we thank you for that. And we continue to just ask that you continue to grow this ministry, um, to continue to do your work and to reach those of our city and to know that we are um, working hard and striving um, for your goal and your will. In your name we pray. Amen.